What's up, everyone? I want to tell you about a car that you are going to love. Check it out. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, I love that, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. So let's say you're ready to take the family on a camping trip or something like that. The Santa Fe is perfect for you. You've got all-wheel drive. You can load everyone up in the third row. It's time to start being adventurous, and you need the right car, and that's the Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. What a play! Can you believe this? It's time to dominate your fantasy league. Off to the races, and he stays on his feet. This is going to go the distance. Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, and Heath. We got some good stuff for you today on Beyond the Box Score. DJ Moore, things have changed for him. His profile is a little bit different. We'll talk about how he's getting it done lately. Nick Chubb will talk about why he is struggling lately and if you can trust him against a very good run defense in your fantasy championship. We'll talk about last night's game, 19-16 overtime. Terrible game. Bad, (laughs) bad football playing there. Um, And it's just me and Dan today. Adam Azer and Dan Schneier, no Jacob Gibbs. Happy holidays, everyone. Hope you had a successful week 16. Dan, what's up? How we doing? What's going on? Doing good, Adam. It was right. Christmas yesterday. Had some had a good time spending it with family, even though I don't celebrate the holiday. Still a good time to get together. Happy I got to see Die Hard, a true Christmas movie last week. <laughs> On to my next movie. You can let me know which one that should be. Matchstick Men. I think we're gonna you're gonna finish Matchstick Men. Okay. I gotta finish Matchstick Men. Or if you want to you know stay I, if you want to stay in action, have you ever seen Taken? I've seen Taken. Yeah. Okay, okay. I actually would prefer to not stay in action. I don't really like action movies. It's a big reason I haven't seen a lot of these movies. I did enjoy Die Hard, but in general, I'm not an action movie person. I want okay. plot. I want mystery. I want some stuff like that. Good writing. All right. So um, Matchstick Men. Okay. Matchstick Men it is. But Excellent. I will say this. I did see the new Knives Out on Netflix. Did you see the first oh, one? I love the first one. Loved the first one. This one was the glass something. Not as good, unfortunately. They didn't recapture the magic. And I loved the first one. This one felt a little too forced. At the end, it felt... I don't want to give away too much, but... You're already giving away too much. Huge cast. Edward Norton, they got like stars on this one. And I just didn't think it delivered. I just don't think you should say anything about the ending. You shouldn't You shouldn't have even said that. I really am What did I say? It was too unbelievable the way... I just like... That just bothers me. I don't like when people do that. A vague... Even a vague hint about the it was ending. vague. You should. It wasn't. It shouldn't have been anything. All right. <sighs> all right. Um. 
Our four big topics, like, unbelievable. Our four big so- topics today. <laughs> I can't even go two minutes without pissing off Adam. Um, our four big topics are Justin Fields versus Gardner Minshew in week 17. I don't even know if it's going to be Gardner Minshew playing quarterback, but we'll talk about it, at least Justin Fields. Um, Nick Chubb and how he has struggled recently. Tight ends were starting over Mark Andrews. Specifically, are we starting Tyler Higby against Mark Andrews? I'll tell you right now, Tyler Higby has an dot this year of 3.3 yards, which is one of the lowest for any receiver or tight end. I mean, he's in running back territory. <laughs> um, and DJ Moore. So those are our big topics, plus some stats, advanced stats, some film review. And Tampa Bay 19, Arizona 16. The Buccaneers do get the win. I think they're what they're in with. They're in if they beat the Panthers this week. I think, I think they might lose to the Panthers. They are get seem like they're oh, worse yeah. every week. But anyway, uh, what were your fantasy takeaways from this one? Not much to ha- be had from a fantasy standpoint here, but there is definitely something to discuss, and it's the Bucks' backfield. We saw a further, you know push forward here of more Leonard Fournette, a lot less Rashad White. And to be honest, if Rashad White doesn't catch that touchdown at the very end, it's a really bad fantasy day for him. So I've lost a lot of faith in Rashad White. Moving forward, I only really want to play Leonard Fournette out of that backfield for this final week 18, or sorry, week 17 finals matchup. So that was my main takeaway. My other takeaway was, man, this Bucks offense at this point, like they, they're the time, it's crazy to me how you see like timing issues between like Brady and Evans. These guys have been playing together forever. They're running pretty much the same system they ran under Arians. It's not the same play caller, but there's just issues where you just see like the ball being thrown to spots where the receivers aren't or specifically Evans. So I don't know what that is. I think maybe it's that Brady is feeling rushed in the pocket because his pass production isn't what it was. And I know that offensive line has been injured. It's only getting worse. Tristan Wirfs is not himself. He looked the worst I've ever seen him. He's one of the best tackles in the NFL. He doesn't look like he's playing through an injury. It's not, I'm betting out of desperation for them. So I don't love that offense. And on the other side of it, I mean, what can we take away from a Cardinals offense with Trace McSorley? It's just McSorley can't really do much as a quarterback. It was interesting to watch. Like that's the level of quarterback. When it gets to that level of quarterback play where you can't even really have, like how many balls did McSorley throw like into the ground on, on short, like seven to 10 yard curl type, uh, you know, stick routes. So you know, you can't really run an offense when you have that. So DeAndre Hopkins downgrade him. I know Marquise Brown had a big catch, but I can't trust him. Can't really trust anyone in that offense with McSorley at quarterback. So, yeah, there were a few things that happened there that were interesting from the Cardinals perspective. So you had Marquise Brown, who was playing more out wide this game. Yep. And that put and I didn't realize that until Heath pointed it out, by the way, I want to give him credit for that on, on CBS Sports HQ this afternoon. I didn't get a check to chance to I didn't get a chance to check on the slot rates and whatnot. But Marquise Brown was playing in the slot the last couple of games, the last three games since he returned from injury, not exclusively, but mostly. And then this game, he flipped it. It was mostly out wide. So that put Greg Dorch in the slot and he had 10 catches for 98 yards on 11 targets. So that was really interesting. Um, I guess it makes Dorch interesting for next week. I'm certainly hoping that Colt McCoy comes back next week because I want to start DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, He had one catch on 10 targets, uh, one catch for four yards. I watched all the targets this morning and most of them were not catchable. So yeah, McSorley is obviously a huge downgrade. James Conner just keeps on ticking. So you're going to continue to start him um, there at Atlanta next week. But I would love to see McCoy in there. I think Dorch is really the interesting one here. Do you buy into it? I'm not sure, uh, you know, I, I, I can't, t- I don't know what Marquise Brown's going to play. Is it going to be outside or inside? Right. I assume he's going to be back outside if they use him there this week, but I can't say for sure. 
Yeah, Dorch is actually the only other one outside of Connor that I would consider if I'm in desperation mode, but I, I can't trust that week to week either. Right, because I mean, this is a guy who was barely playing uh, before, right. and Marquise Brown was also limited in this game. So if he were healthy, he only played 66% of the snaps. If he were healthy, would he have played a lot more in the slot and would have maybe limited uh, Dorch? On the other side of it, you know, you could talk about all the statistics you want. The most important thing is we just we see it with our own eyes. Tom Brady is just not playing well, missing a ton of throws, as Dan said. Evans had some opportunities. Julio Jones was open in the end zone, and, and Brady missed him. Julio Jones also had a touchdown called back on an illegal shift or formation or something. So they are what they are. It's You start Fournette and you start Chris Godwin, and that's more or less it. And should be actually a really interesting game against Carolina next week. But once again, hats off to the Cardinals for taking away the number one if Mike Evans is the number one receiver for taking him away, you know, it's not, it's an oddly tough matchup. Uh, yeah. yeah. Anything else? No, I think you covered all the bases there on the, on a really ugly game football game. Unfortunately that mm-hmm. we had to watch on Sunday night football. I mean, it's, it's, it wasn't, it wasn't pretty yesterday. And I feel like besides that Packers dolphins game, there wasn't too much great football. Certainly not the middle game. And Nathaniel Hackett has been fired, by the way. And, <laughs> yes, he has. Uh, by the, you should sign up for Sportsline. All right, we got to make some. Uh, so we got to play some DFS. We got to make some bets during the playoffs. And now NBC uh, NBA, player props, NBA, not NBC, NBA. Yeah, player props. Um, you know, NHL, college basketball, great time. College football bowl games, playoffs coming up. So check out Sportsline nine ninety nine a month. I think your first month is like a dollar or something like that on Sportsline. So. Check it out. It's an awesome subscription service. It's very, very affordable, and it'll pay for itself. Your news and notes. So Justin Fields has a foot injury. Someone stepped on his foot. Hopefully, it's not that big of a deal. I wish I knew when that happened. Um, yeah, I couldn't. I can't. I couldn't pinpoint it either in the game. Because you know he rushed for eleven yards. Yeah, <laughs> and you're wondering. I have a quote about you know how the Bills defended him, but you're wondering how much the foot hurt him and. Um, it should have altered that, but he also said his non-throwing shoulder, which was the reason why he missed the game earlier this year, was bothering him during the game. So nothing to play for. Fields is banged up. We'll see how they approach this week at the Lions. Carson Wentz is in the mix. We haven't had an announcement yet, but he could play. And do you think there's a difference for Dotson and, and McLaurin if it's Wentz or Heineke? I do think there's a difference. I think with Heineke, we saw a clear favoritism toward McLaurin that we didn't see prior with Carson Wentz. And I think it was obvious. So I think if Wentz does make the return to the lineup, we're going to see more usage for guys like Curtis Samuel, potentially Jahan Dotson. But I think the biggest difference is McLaurin to, to Samuel. Okay. Mike White has been cleared to play. So he will be, if you need a quarterback this week, he will be a pretty good option. I think on waivers at Seattle. In fact, yeah. you could argue that you should start him ahead of Geno Smith. I would, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Denver fired Nathaniel Hackett. They're at Kansas City this week. Any fantasy impact? Yeah, you always think, like, is there the boost the first week? But I I don't think we're going to get that here. I mean, that I, watching that Denver Broncos offense, and this was, remember, a Rams defense that's beat up with injuries and didn't have Aaron Donald. And they, let's be honest, they're not playing for much this season. And they absolutely dominated the Broncos there. There were misreads by Russell Wilson. There were times you saw receivers, specifically Sutton, throwing their hands up in anger. You obviously, anyone who's follows social media, I don't know if you saw this, Adam, but there was a big sideline thing between um, Dalton Reisner, who's one of the starting offensive linemen for the Broncos, and backup quarterback Brett Rippin. He pushed Rippin. He's like yelling at him, and they're yelling. It's an entire mess there. I don't think going to an interim coach is going to change much. No. Okay. 
Um, Alvin Kamara left in, but returned. Let's see. Christian Watson says he's okay. I really, I have a lot of great things on Christian Watson. I really hope he can play this Me week too. against the Vikings. Oh, good, good. He's my guy, and I felt so bad for him because he was going. He was trending toward having a big game. Oh yeah, they just missed that deep ball. They had other targets, and like he had. He, this is the second week in a row he's starting to get red zone targets. So no, no, this is okay. the fifth week in a row. Fifth week, he in gets a row. him every week. He gets end yeah. zone targets every single week. He's got the third most end zone targets in the NFL since week yeah. ten or eleven. There um, you go. And he tripped over his own feet, and the ball was a little behind. Remember that they threw it him out yes. of the backfield. He should have walked in for a touchdown. But specifically about Watson, I might as well just stay on it. You know, he ha- he is no longer just a deep ball guy. He's running right. shorter routes. More, he's running diverse routes. He's being targeted in different areas of the field. He's you know looking like a more complete receiver. It's a really important thing for his profile. You don't want him to just be Gabe Davis, right? So, um, man, he was. I think he was on his way to a huge game. Uh, let's see. Hunter Henry and Jonu Smith both left with injuries. And J.C. Horn broke his wrist. Carolina starting cornerback J.C. Horn. That means two of their top corners are out now. They're at Tampa Bay. And he was playing 17. really, really good football as of late. JC yeah, he Horn. was emerging. Like, Greg Dulcich left with, the, it was I think it was a hamstring injury in the fourth quarter. Got some defensive injuries. I went over them yesterday, and we'll check on them. But, you know, you mentioned Tristan Wirfs. He actually aggravated his ankle injury. Um, so I don't know if he's going to play this week. And Donovan Smith, their left tackle, could be back this week. So... Uh, the and they Bucks, lost their backup left tackle too in the game. Yeah, the Bucks line is a mess, and Tristan Wirfs is is hurt. Uh, the Eagles had some bad injuries too. Avante Maddox is going to be out indefinitely. Right tackle Lane Johnson. Avante Maddox is their slot corner. Uh, right tackle Lane Johnson's out for the rest of the regular season. Defensive tackle Jordan Davis left for the Eagles. They could get C.J. Gardner Johnson back to either play safety or nickel back. Um, the Saints are going to be down now. Two starting guard. Well, actually, I shouldn't say that. I don't know what the severity is for Andrews Pete, but they were without one starting guard is on IR. Now Andrews Pete left with a leg injury. They're at Philadelphia this week. Um, all right, that's it for that. Can I back it up a quick second, Adam? I think we, especially because we have a little bit more time today without Jacob's stats. Unfortunately, we don't have those stats because they're amazing, but it does open up a little time. I want to ask you a question about the Buck situation and their entire offensive line, which we had that, you know, we could read the tea leaves in the preseason. There were major injuries on the offensive line in the preseason. We knew it was going to be an issue. And we kind of didn't really adjust, like adjust our rankings accordingly. We still drafted Tom Brady pretty high. Mike Evans was really high. Godwin, you know, Fournette, all of those players. Is there anything to, and I know you always say I like to put too much credit on the impact of the offensive line. I don't say that, football. do I? No, you've said that before, and I think you're right. Sometimes I do. I think you said it with the Chargers situation. And you're, I think Man. you're right. I think I do give offensive line too much like credit for the impact on fantasy. We've seen the Chargers have been able to kind of work around their bad O-line this year. Sometimes you can, but with this Brady situation this year, especially maybe with an older quarterback, maybe it's worth considering. I'm not sure, but... Same thing happened really with the Colts. Their offensive line took a big step back this year and they couldn't get any offense generated. I know part of that is Matt Ryan, but how do we look at that next year? If we have a situation like this, maybe with a team and same, actually same thing happened with the Rams, right? The Rams had dynamic offense last year. Their offensive line lost Whitworth and then got a ton of injuries and then Stafford collapsed. So maybe it's something that we have, like, are there any examples of teams really having great fantasy offenses with bad offensive lines? It's something probably for another show. The Chargers last year. The Chargers the last Bengals, year. The Chargers his rookie year too. Herbert's rookie the year. The Bengals really last year. Okay, you're right. Bengals. Okay, but so but think, that doesn't mean you're wrong. I mean, it just. Yeah. It, I think it is definitely harder to be great in fantasy and in the NFL with a bad offensive line. There's no question. The Broncos season has certainly not. Uh, you know, their offensive line has certainly been a big part of their their offense being awful. 
I also think that, you know, when a quarterback plays really poorly, the offensive line takes a lot of the blame. Brady's yeah. just pl- Brady's just missing throws. I I don't yeah. I don't really think like between Russell Wilson and Tom Brady, I think that they shoulder a lot of the blame. Um the offensive line doesn't help, but yeah, I I don't know, man. Kyler Murray yeah. always has a bad offensive line, but he can he can, you know, run around it. Yeah, he can kind of negate it. I just love to look. Maybe I'll do that in the offseason. I'll look at all the examples of, or try to, you know, compile all the examples, see how many hits. Because you're right, there are some hits. Like the Bengals with Burrow, Herbert, his first year had a really bad O line. But I feel like there's a lot more misses. It's quite possible. Yeah. I mean, you know, we were worried about uh, the Cowboys when Tyron Smith got hurt in the preseason. Right. Because all their numbers were worse with him off the field compared to on the field. Everybody's numbers were worse, basically. Right. And then Dak got hurt in week one. But once he came back, Tyron Smith has only been back for a few weeks. They were rolling. Now, they got better than expected play from To be fair, though, Tyler Smith, their first round pick was, yeah, exactly. Just what you just said. He was much better than expected for a rookie. Yeah. I do have some stats, by the way. I'm going to fill the void for Jacob here. There we go. Okay. These are called Azer stats. No, these are not Azer stats. These are advanced Azer stats. (laughs) They're not Azer stats? (laughs) Azer stats are... Different than these are like real actual stats, you know. Um, yeah, advanced days are stats. Okay, advanced days are stats. We'll go there with that. Go. Uh, Brock Purdy, 8.3 air yards per attempt. That's really much better than what we've seen in his first three games, below six yards. He was basically the most conservative passer in football for the last three weeks. 8.3 intended air yards per pass attempt is pretty high. Um, played pretty well. Interception wasn't his fault. It was a drop by Jawan Jennings. And the guy that really benefited, I guess, was Brandon Ayuk. But Ayuk got almost all of his yards on a 54-yard catch and run. So I look at his game, 5 for 81 on seven targets. I don't think I have a ton of confidence in him uh, next week. Ayuk is a big route depth guy. I mean, he's a downfield guy. Uh, So you need Purdy to do this again, throw the ball downfield. They are facing the Raiders. That's the saving grace. But I guess if you want to be optimistic about Ayuk, at least Brock Purdy showed that he will throw the ball downfield. Uh, next Next stat here is the bottom five teams... In running back yards before contact per carry. All right, so this is on defense. The teams that are giving up the most yards before contact per carry. The Giants, they face the Colts in Week 17. The Browns, they face Washington. The Chargers, they face the Rams. Those aren't surprising. The Bears face the Lions, and the Falcons get the Cardinals. And I think you look at the Lions. Can we trust a running back there? Because the Bears have been as bad against the run. I mean, right. that's a really big stat, especially when you're talking about against the Lions, because that's something they've excelled at all year is yards before contact for right. their running backs. Um, that's a great matchup for the Lions run game. I wonder, Dan, how much you're going to trust them in Week 17 against the Bears. That's a great question. The matchup's perfect. You have the best at creating before contact versus the, the worst at uh, stopping before contact. I feel like maybe we'll get we'll learn more from the injury report this week. Obviously, you saw like a little minor injury to Jamal Williams, or I don't know what that will be. Um, Swift st- still don't feel like is perfectly healthy, but maybe that's something we need to kind of wait a little later until the week, Adam, and see because you want to play some players in that backfield. They're going to move the ball. Look at what James Cook and Singletary were able to do on limited touches, really. Raheem Mostert played two snaps in the fourth quarter, and both plays both plays ended with interceptions. Yeah, and he had the fumble earlier. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, I had forgotten about that. 
And McDaniel has, tr- has shown like a big, like remember earlier this season, he also had a big fumble and then he didn't play again for a long time. McDaniel has a little bit of Belichick in him where okay. like, if you fumble, you're done for a little while. I just thought it was funny. I mean, he's like a bad luck charm. He plays two snaps yeah. and two throws an interception right. on both of them. One of them was actually intended for Mostert and he didn't turn around. I don't know if that was his fault or not. Oh man, those two picks were so gr- were very Ooh. ugly looking. Jerry Judy played 86% of his snaps out wide with Cortland Sutton back. I thought maybe they'd move him back to the slot. He had had a lot of success recently playing outside. I thought Sutton comes back. Maybe they move him to the slot. They didn't. That's great. And I hope that carries over into next year. I hope they treat him as an outside receiver because he is absolutely on a tear right now. Yes. Um, His numbers aren't that much better outside versus the slot, but they are better. Uh, And probably gets targeted more if I had to guess. That's the only thing. I don't have his target rate. But uh, Judy over the last... Let me see. Let me... One second here. Over the last three games, he is ninth among wide receivers and targets, fifth in catches, and sixth in yards. So that's things are trending I up. Think for Jerry part of Judy. that is part of that. Why I agree with you, Adam. We got to hope this trend continues with Jerry Judy. And those are incredible stats, by the way. And he will be a player I'm going to have a lot of shares of next year. I can already tell based on where I'm projecting his ADP to go. But part of that is why we want him on the outside because he we don't really expect a quarterback change in Denver until 2025 at the earliest. That's the first year they can get out of that contract without, well, no, they're going to still take on like 50 mil in dead cap, but it's like five mil savings. So maybe they take it. They probably realistically don't get out of it until 2026 with Russ Wilson. But as long as he's there as the quarterback, which he will be, he's not really targeting players over the middle of the field. That's not his thing. He doesn't throw over the middle of the field. So we want Judy on the outside for that reason. Yeah. Um, and then just my one film breakdown for me was Ooh, let's uh, go, let's do it. Deshaun Watson. Oh. You know, terrible numbers, but I actually thought he played pretty well. Okay, the conditions, you, you know, that was the worst. Sure. Those were the worst conditions of the week, and he made some really good throws, uh, especially to Cooper. He threw a pass to Cooper in the back of the end zone. Cooper was wide open on a coverage breakdown, and you just have to say the condition. He dropped the ball. I mean, there's no way he drops that ball in normal conditions. Um, but the last drive of the game, they lost by seven. He threw two really good passes that could have been touchdowns, one to Peoples-Jones on a scramble, and then one like a bullet to Njoku at about the goal line, and both were dropped. They were both very tough plays, but I thought pretty encur- surprising as heck that Amari Cooper had the game that he had, 70-plus yards in those conditions. Right. But Watson, I am hoping, took a a uh, step forward and that hopefully we can trust them against Washington or no, hopefully we can trust Cooper and Njoku and maybe people's Jones or something like right. that against Washington. Yeah. So. I didn't get a chance to watch Watson only Chubb. So I, I, I like those takeaways and it's some, it's something you expect to right? like over as they get more reps together, they're going to get better as a pass offense. So yeah, you, who did you watch on film? I got a chance to watch Nick Chubb and Gardner Minshew, which also led me to have some observations on Devontae Smith. Uh, Minshew, because I do think there's a chance that he will be he will get the go again this week. And then, you know, you're in your fantasy finals. Will you trust him as he was a good spot starter? Everyone knew he was going to be for this week. I think he had 26 fantasy points against the Cowboys, 355 yards of, of passing. Um, and so I wanted to kind of figure out, are we going to trust him for this finals week? All right. So Chubb and Minshew, those are your guys. Yeah. And I'll, and I'll have some on Devontae Smith as well. Okay, so uh, we'll talk about that as we get into our big topics because they are part of our big topics. Let's take a look at our YouTube poll. Uh, unfortunately, Dan cannot participate in this one. He's never had to make this. <laughs> he's never had to never make what? this decision. Let's see it. Uh, hold on, let me let me find it. It is. <sighs> never had to make this decision. When do Where's you take down your Christmas tree? 
When do you take that? Oh, yeah, unfortunately. Uh, the day after Christmas, it. after New Year's Day, when I feel like it, whenever it dies. <laughs> uh, what do you do, Adam? Definitely not the day after Christmas. Okay. I think it's going to be more like, you know, January 4th-ish. I'm going to say when I feel like it. When I feel like it, okay. Good poll here. Uh, right now, after New Year's Day is at 47%, when I feel like it's at 35%. Is it like a you can't wear white after Labor Day kind of thing? Like after New Year's Day, you got to get rid of your tree? <laughs> I think that's advisable. Okay. I'm still pretty new to the Christmas tree thing. Schaefer, what about you? Uh, when when are you going to take your Christmas tree down? Uh, probably the day after New Year's. Yeah. But I've heard people go longer, and that's, that was a little crazy for me. I think. <laughs> uh, there are 12 days of Christmas, right? Couldn't you just leave it up for the 12 days? Yeah, technically, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it depends. It depends on how busy I am, I guess. Like, I'll be pretty busy for the next week. But then after New Year's, like after week 17 is over, I'll, you know, it won't be quite as busy, so I'll have time to to take it out and uh, throw, it, throw it off my balcony onto the ground, which is always fun, and drag pine needles all over the place. It's <laughs> great. It's, it's a terrific experience. Yeah. All right, good YouTube poll, and uh, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we got our four big topics for you on Beyond the Box Score. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Topic number one comes from Eric MB. I don't pick these things just because the name is Eric, by the way. <laughs> it's a coincidence. Uh, are we confident in starting Justin Fields against the Lions, or should we start Gardner Minshew against the Saints? Yeah, I mean, look, I'm not confident starting Justin Fields against the Lions. I talked about it last week. He was a player I told people to put on the benches. I did not like the matchup at all against Buffalo in the cold. I had a lot of nice bets on Justin Fields under rushing yards. I knew the rushing yards will be down. Maybe it's the injury. It's definitely part of it. Even if he says he's fine enough to play, I don't think he's going to run like he normally does. And I'm not so sure they really want him running as much as the, as he has in the past because of the multitude of injuries, including the upper body. I think it's a shoulder injury. You know, do they really want their franchise quarterback taking a massive hit that could alter next season? in a lost season this year, I would think no. I mean, I don't see him running as much, so I would definitely start Gardner Minshew, Adam. And, and I'll say this, I watched Gardner Minshew on tape. Really like what I saw from him from a fantasy standpoint, right? There are things about his game. He's a really interesting quarterback. Um, the 48-yarder to A.J. Brown, that was a beautifully thrown anticipatory throw. I mean, he throws that well before Brown is even into the first part of his... It's a double move to create vertical separation. He throws it before he even gets into the break of the double move. And then later, for uh, you know, one play later, he hit Goddard for a 20-yarder on an in-breaker over the middle. Once again, Goddard was still running like the vertical part of a, of a deep in before the ball was even thrown. So one thing that's allowed Gardner Minshew to have somewhat of a career in the NFL, to have these days like where he can just come in for a spot, start throw for 355 and rack up 26 fantasy points against the Cowboys defense is that he throws the anticipation and he throws the ball into tight windows. Now that leads to some really bad throws. The interception to what well, the first interception was just a really bad read. He had AJ Brown on a deep curl at the sticks, but he threw it to a different guy. Um, he missed a wide open touchdown to Quez Watkins at some point. 
then let me tell you this. Another thing I took away from the film, Adam, whoever's playing Dallas this week, who's playing Dallas this week? Tennessee on Thursday. Tennessee on Thursday. So never mind because there is nothing to talk about with their passing game. But Dallas's defense is going through a, yes. a big stretch of problems. There were I have seen I saw like two or three just pure blown coverages on the day. The second touch or the first touch on Devontae Smith was just a zone read where they had a built in RPO. And that just means a run pass option. And everyone on Dallas just took the zone read. And then they had like three or four defenders flowing to Minshew after he faked the handoff and started rolling to his left. And Minshew just flipped his hips and threw to a wide open Devontae Smith. And there were just multiple examples of miscommunications. I counted, I think four or five in the game, which you usually see at most one of those types of bad communication breakdowns. But other than that, I thought he did a really good job he had a gotta have it play on third and 10 q4 um fourth 14 13 remaining if anyone wants to check it out on game pass off script rolling to his left which for a quarterback that's tough hit Devonte smith for a big sideline throw there and then obviously the sideline back shoulder throw to Devonte smith was between the safety and the cornerback that had about three yards separating them so it's just perfect ball placement on that one. Also an insane catch by Devontae Smith. So I like what I saw from Minshew from a fantasy standpoint. He's aggressive. He throws with anticipation. He throws into tight windows. These are all things that lead to fantasy points. So they can lead to some interceptions too. Sure. But what you need in fantasy is explosive pass plays. Those lead to yardage. Those lead to broken tackles. Those lead to touchdowns. And he had all of them in this game. I want to also say this, Adam. So I'm planning my flag there. I'd start Gardner Minshew over fields to answer the first big topic. But I want to say this. Devontae Smith, put him, put him on all my dynasty lists. I'm looking to trade from this season in all my dynasty leagues. I'll be targeting him in all the fantasy leagues. He's a phenomenal player, man. He creates so much rep, uh, separation as a route runner. But then he can do things like he did on the play I just talked about where he, it's that back shoulder fade by the by the sideline and he just high points the ball perfectly toe taps both feet and gets it in there um also had some big catches over the middle on inbreakers where he's taking huge hits so i really think Devonte smith is a star in the making oh yeah look I, when i saw him play you know i think the national championship game he was just i thought he was going to the hall of fame i just don't yeah. see wide receivers play that way obviously he's very small but it doesn't matter he's terrific it doesn't so, matter, yeah. so from a fantasy standpoint uh, I will start Justin Fields over Gardner Minshew. Okay. Uh, and I'm just going to keep it really simple. Justin Fields is playing the Lions. Sam Darnold just scored 23 points against them. Zach Wilson just scored 22 points against them. They are the worst of the worst. I mean, them and the Vikings, I think, are the, just the two matchups that I just love. And the Lions are even worse than Minnesota. They give up the most fantasy points to quarterbacks. If Justin Fields is limited with the injury, it would change things. He needs to be able to run a little bit. Uh, the Bills said after the game... Uh, Ed Oliver, Bill's defensive lineman, said he runs around a lot, but we caught him a couple of times in the pocket when he was just sitting there holding the ball, and that's what you got to do to him. You can't let him get out, collapse right. on the outside, just keep him in the pocket. If you try to chase him down, he's liable to do anything, but if you can keep him in the pocket and kind of contain him, you can get him down. I'm not going to sit here and say the blueprint is out on Justin Fields. I don't think that's a secret that you want to try to keep him in the pocket. The Bills did a great job of it, but... um. He's gonna be a he's gonna be an amazing rusher almost every week. If he's hurt, then I don't want to start him. If he's healthy, I will start him over Minshew, because as good as Minshew can be with these weapons in this line, even without Lane Johnson, I just don't see him throwing forty passes like he did against the Cowboys. I don't see the Saints scoring twenty points. I don't even know if they score yeah. seventeen. You know, so I I think Fair. it's just a different type of game script, and I like Minshew. I think he'll be a top twelve quarterback for me. I don't think he'll be in the Justin Fields range. 
So I want to make it clear. If Justin Fields is like deemed fully healthy, then I, I would agree with Adam. I'll give a slight edge to Fields, not a huge edge, but I just don't think he's going to bad. I think we're going to see another low rushing total in this game. And without the rushing upside, there there isn't much to me to Fields right now, especially given the injuries to the Bears receivers. And offensive line. They play without both and of their line, starting yeah. guards. They play without Equinemius St. Brown, yeah. Chase Claypool. They've got nothing around him. Like right if now. I'm the Bears, I'm trying to get this game over quick and I'm trying to run the football with my running backs. That's what I'm doing personally. The Saints, by the way, that's Minshew's matchup. Since week eight, so in their last nine games, they are allowing the fewest yards per play in the NFL. Yeah. It's crazy. It is pretty insane. The Eagles some will of those, do some whatever of that they want. matchup based, but still. Sure, but the, the Eagles will do whatever they want because they're the Eagles, but it right. may be a little bit harder. All right, next up, let's talk about Nick Chubb. This comes from Horseshoe. Nick's, Nick Chubb being a flex player with Sean Watson at the helm. Um, okay, so is he a flex player? Well, in his last four games, he scored between 8 and 11.2 PPR fantasy points. That is definitely a flex player. Right. He's gone four straight games without a rushing touchdown. That did not happen in either 2020 or 2021. It did happen in, 20, in 2019. He scored two touchdowns in his last 10 games on 184 carries. So when he doesn't score, he's a flex in, in PPR. But usually Nick Chubb scores when you give him 20 carries, you know? It's not happening right now. Anyway, uh, what do you think about him against Washington? Their run defense is ridiculous. Look what they just did to Christian McCaffrey. Incredible. Um, but, uh, you know, what do you think? Is Nick Chubb a start? Is he a flex? At best, he's a flex. And I watched the tape on Nick Chubb. It's the second time I've watched Chubb tape. Wow, that sounded terrible. So this is the second <laughs> time I've watched Nick Chubb on film in the past few weeks. I watched him against, what was it, the game we watched? The Cincy game where he was just, you know, DJ Reader just had a phenomenal game. But it was similar to that game where early on, the Browns tried to get their stretch zone run game going early. And that's and that's what their staple has been under Stefanski. It's that stretch zone run. And the Saints did just what the Bengals did. They played it so perfect. They had every single gap contained for, and they had extra defensive backs coming up. Finally, as they move forward, like Stefanski smartly, wisely was like, all right, we're not going to run stretch zone against them. Let's try to do some power gap stuff. So they had a ton of G lead after that, which is like just simple. It's a pull. Pl it's a pulling play where you have the guard leading as the puller coming around and they had a little bit of success there, but there's one play on film. If you want to follow along on game pass, it was 1251 in, in the second quarter where Chubb just missed a massive, massive cutback lane. And on the play, both the safeties had come up on the edges. So if he sees the cutback lane and it was wide, he's literally getting vertical and housing it for a 72 yard touchdown. And the entire, you know, fantasy performance looks completely yeah. different with, with that 13.2 points. But, but did you yeah, think that, did you think, cause when I was watching the Watson film, I just felt yeah. like everyone was moving in slow motion. It, it was did slick, feel like one of those games. Cold. So, you could see it the too. Field was every terrible. single snap, Nick Chubb, you could just see the breath coming from from his face mask. Every single snap you saw that. It was that cold. And that's that's obviously part of the issue here. But I think the bigger issue is that teams are one, the run blocking isn't what it has been in the past. It's been dominant unit. And two, teams are now keyed in. And they should have been earlier. So I don't they really were. know what the difference no, is. No, they keyed this, into the stretch zone. Oh, the yep. stretch zone. Okay, well. Okay, his first nine games, he was great. 5.7 yards per carry, one of the best running backs in fantasy. Nick Chubb saw eight-man fronts on 34% of his carries. The last six games, he's been struggling. 3.8 yards per carry, barely ever reaching 12 fantasy right. points. Uh, only 24% of his carries, eight-man fronts. So that has not been the issue. I think you might be onto something with the run blocking here because the yards before contact are basically cut in half. Okay. 1.8 yards before contact per rush 
in his first nine games. It's .96 in his last nine games. So that means the the percentage of carries for zero or negative yards have basically doubled. 14% in his first nine games, 24% in his last six games. That's percentage of carries for zero. No, I'm sorry, 28%. So yeah, it has doubled. Um, his last uh, eight, six games, percentage of carries for zero or negative yards. It's just, you know what, though? Here's the problem, Dan. I gave the same stats about Derrick Henry right, and Saquon Barkley, and they both got going. You know, Now, Barkley at least is catching a bunch of passes, running the ball better over the last couple weeks, most of the last drive against Washington and very good against Minnesota. But Henry looked awful. And yeah. the last three weeks, I think he's been, you know, a stud. So... I still believe in Nick Chubb. It's not like he's old, right? Right. I just think he's going to snap out of it. I, I I hope it's not. I hope it's not another bad performance. But I'm I think he's a starter. I'm more optimistic than you are because as long as they're competitive, which they will be in this game, I think it's going to be a very close game. He's going to get 20 carries. And if the he gets touches are still going to definitely be there. You're right about that. But the problem is in in these PPR leagues, as we've seen, like the box scores look pretty identical over this stretch where he has what you said, like what between nine and 11 points, it's, it's 20 to 22 carries, 20 to 25 carries, 90 something yards, something like that. Right. 95 yards, no involvement in the past game and not a lot of red zone. And no carries. score. That's the thing. I, yeah. If you give me 20 carries from Nick Chubb, but are I, you sure I that they're going to really move the ball better in this? That's, well, the that's why I brought up the Watson thing. Yeah, because I did think he played better. I he can't be as you know he just he has to play better. I, so I get that, but I I do think he took a step forward, and I'm hoping that'll okay. carry over. But it's really just more of a game script thing. When when they're involved, when they're in the game, he's going to get you probably 20 carries, and if he does that, he's got a good chance to score. It hasn't happened recently, but I think you know I'll bank on him finding the end zone on 20 carries, more so than most other running backs, you know, and their workload each week. That makes sense. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, all right, next topic from Jacob Williams. Tight ends were starting over Mark Andrews. <laughs> I benched him this week for Taysom Hill. Nice work. Tyler Higby is on the waiver wire, and I am strongly considering. <sighs> what do you yeah. think? Well, first of all, we might get Lamar Jackson back this week, right? Yes. What are the chances of that? I feel like it's probably still up in the air at this point, but at least a decent chance. And if Jackson is back, I think we're starting Mark Andrews more confidently, correct? 100%. Not 100% starting him, but 100% more confident. Right. Because yes. we thought there were some good like stats with Tyler Huntley last year in a small, uh, as far as like targeting Mark Andrews. But we learned that was pretty much just a small sample size type of situation. And we got burned a little bit by that. But we have a large sample size of Lamar Jackson and Mark Andrews working really well together for fantasy. So I think that's a start there. Um, you know, players like Tyler Higby, you referenced earlier his low A dot at him, but I do think that is very skewed by the weeks where they had Bryce or the week I think it was where they had Bryce per any of the snaps they had Bryce no. Perkins in. His A dot was okay. two yards yesterday. And it was, it was two yards sure, the week but, before with Baker Mayfield. It's been all year. It's been everything. I consider myself wrong on that because you did just premiere. Off <laughs> yeah, top. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's all. He barely was running routes. I mean, with uh, with, with Perkins. Perkins. Yeah, he was but, like a he was like a lineman at that point. But I guess that doesn't impact the A dot that much. Yeah. So you're right though. With a low A dot, it's tough to get too excited about him. You kind of then need like the red zone touchdowns with Higby. I think I'd still start Mark Andrews over a Tyler Higby type. Uh, would you start him over a Taysom Hill this week? Yeah, I think the game plan will be much different for Taysom Hill this week. They're not playing yep. in, a, in an atmosphere where they they can't throw the ball. Um, and they'll probably be down and having to throw the ball. Yeah, right. 
Yeah, look, I mean, I think when you look at a low ADOT like that, it's it's oftentimes good for PPR. It's going to have a very high catch rate and give right. you a bit of a floor. But he had five targets two weeks ago. He had 11 in this game. I, I just, if he gets six, seven targets to get you four catches for 30-something yards, you know, it's not that exciting. I, I don't want people to get too excited about Tyler Higby. Um, you know, it, I, I, you really don't see ADOTs like this. This is, this is unbelievable. He's, he's one of the shortest route runners in the NFL that's not yeah. a running back. So there's a very limited upside to that, in my right. opinion. You're just never going to get a big play out of him, basically. Yeah, I don't know. That's, all that's how I feel about it. But but who would you start over Andrews? I think, okay, Kelsey Kittle. Yep. Um, Hawkinson, probably. Evan Ingram. Yes. And then I don't think there are any certainties after that. I agree with Ingram, too. That's crazy that we've gone this far on Evan Ingram, but it's it, the, the involvement has been amazing the last three weeks. Yeah. Okay, let's go to our last one. It's from Box Wine Dad. You ever have Box Wine? Of course I've had box wine. When I studied abroad in Australia, a little fun fact, this was the 2011 range. All we drank was box wine. Do you want to know why, Adam? <laughs> why? Literally all we drank was the most disgusting thing ever. And then one time we treated ourselves and we got to duty free. The reason why, for those who don't know, and I don't know if this is still true, but in Australia, part of their part of what they do to keep that, you know, you walk outside, oh my God, is the air crisp. They tax the hell out of all things that are basically bad for you. Cigarettes, insanely taxed. McDonald's, fast food, by the way, insanely taxed. So it actually pays to not eat fast food there because it's crappy food anyway, and it's not cheap. You don't even get the value out of it. So mm. they tax it. Then one thing they also tax, though, by the way, is their alcohol. For a 30 rack of beer, it was like 50 bucks for a 30 pack of beer. So as a college kid with no money studying abroad, the only thing we could afford was the only thing that was cheap from an alcohol standpoint. They're boxed wine. They're like Franzia type crap. You know, the slap the bag box wine. Everything you remember from your college days. So not me. Had a copious amounts. Well, not you. I know you never <laughs> drank, but a copious amounts of. And where were you when I was in college? I could have used you as a DD, but I had copious amounts of box wine in Australia, except for the one time we went on a flight and then we got to duty free and you could buy like Jack Daniels for like a decent price. But man, it, it, it was intense. So I have had a lot of box wine. Okay. You, you know, I didn't know that you studied in Australia. Yeah, amazing out there. Loved it. You strike me as the kind of guy who would have spent a semester in Australia and then come back and just like told everybody all these things about Australia, like acting like the <laughs> Australia expert. <laughs> That's so me. <laughs> like telling hundreds. an Australian person things about Australia. <laughs> yeah, not months. that far, but yeah, everything else was accurate. <laughs> I'm just so shocked that we had never heard anything about this. <laughs> it is surprising. Okay, uh, DJ Moore is the, the box wine dad says, does DJ Moore like it better when he screws me over when in my starting lineup or when he's on my bench? <laughs> I love it. Well, I don't think he should have been on your bench for last week, by the way. Um, I think at this point with Sam Darnold, he should be locked into your starting lineup here. Uh, Heath had some great stats about it, but let's take a look at it and I'll get it. So DJ Moore with Sam Darnold this season. <laughs> yeah, what, dad is so the type of guy to yell at a Starbucks barista in Australia. I would never do that. You guys have me wrong on that take. I'm not yelling at people uh, no, in public. No, never. Let's, let's, let's take this. Let's stop this down a little notch. I'll take this down a little notch. But some of what Adam said is true. But uh, <laughs> let's see. Sam Darnold has made four starts this season. And DJ Moore ranks as the wide receiver 19, 14.8 PPR points per game in those four starts. That's startable. That's what you want in your line, especially at this st uh, stage of the season. Oh, man. Um, I'm sorry. I, yeah. I, all right. Go ahead. Continue. I have a lot to say. And those numbers go even deeper when you just take out all the Mayfield starts. Really, it was just Baker Mayfield holding back DJ Moore. Look, I'm not here to say, oh, my God, DJ Moore is now back to what we expect in the preseason. But 
25% of Darnold's throws have gone to DJ Moore this season. That's one in every, that's one of four. That's a lot. That's a crazy target rate. So I don't know. And we also have a Tampa defense that's allowed, what, six different receivers. These are all stats courtesy of Heath. If you want to check out his column, it's called Believe It or Not. It comes out every Monday. Really good stuff. This week's had a lot of like forward-looking stuff with Cam Akers and Tua Tagovailoa for next season. To, uh, sorry, Tagovailoa for next season. Mm-hmm. So you can take a look at that. But Tampa has allowed six different receivers to score at least 13 fantasy points, uh, PPR points, in their last three games. So he's thinking, you know, Tampa defense trending down from a pass defense standpoint. More trending up. The targets are there. That's ridiculous. What? They're not trending down. They are really good against the pass. Um, What what about that stat that he? Okay, yeah, a lot of that was the Bengals who had that huge second half against them. So Jamar Chase, Tyler Boyd, and and T. Higgins were all in that. But they're all scoring touchdowns. Look at the yards. Look at the yards. Okay, in the last, let's let's take the last three games. They, f- they faced San Francisco. Debo Samuel had 43 yards. Brandon Ayuk had 57 yards. Debo Samuel had a rushing touchdown. That's why he had the, the 13, uh, the 16.4 points for him. Uh, Jamar Chase, 60 yards. Tyler Boyd, 35 yards. T. Higgins, 35 yards. DeAndre Hopkins, 4 yards. Marquise Brown, 57. Greg Dorch, big game. 10 catches for 98 yards. They are giving up a lot of touchdowns. They have a good pass defense. They have a good defense. Yeah. Um, so do the Broncos, and DJ Moore went for 100 yards and a touchdown on them. Uh, the Seahawks are the third best against wide receivers. DJ Moore had, I think, six yards in that game. Uh, he is unpredictable. The matchup doesn't necessarily matter to me, but this is what I noticed about DJ Moore in his last four games as Sam Darnold's been starting. Three of them have been really good. One of them was dreadful. Uh, his A dot and his route depth have changed. He is a downfield guy. He's averaging 18.5 yards per catch. That is fourth best in the NFL since week 12. 11.8 yards per target. His career yards per target is 8.4 yards per target. In the last four games, it's 11.8. He's second among all wide receivers in that stretch with a minimum of 10 targets in fantasy points per target behind Rashid Shahid. So this is a guy who's sixth in route depth, second in A dot among wide receivers with 10 or more targets since week 12. Uh, in weeks 1 through 11, he was basically 40th in A dot and route depth amongst wide receivers with 25 or more targets. So the profile has changed. He has not had seven, he has not had more than seven targets in a game in, in about two months. So that is why I hesitate to call him a must start. Okay. Anybody who seems to be capped at seven targets is not a must start. He is now Gabe Davis, but he's making the catches. I went back. I watched all of his targets from the last two games. He is playing really well. He's making terrific catches. He's getting open. He's good. He's a good player, and I am starting him. But I don't want to make this case that he's a layup because he needs more targets. So the question, is, the reason why I loved him against the Lions, Dan, is because I thought Sam Darnold was going to have to throw a lot. Nobody can run on the Lions, and then right. go ahead. They go ahead and they, you know, Chubbard and uh, Foreman get both career highs on the same day, and Darnold throws like twenty-two passes. So what's going to happen against the Bucks? Well, let's see if Vita Vea plays. But I think right. the Panthers are going to be able to run the ball a little bit here. I don't think you're going to get a ton of volume from Darnold, and you might like you got to at least acknowledge the possibility that DJ Moore is for all the people who didn't like Gabe Davis, who didn't like Christian Watson because of the A dot, because of the lack of targets, that's what DJ Moore has been in the last four games. And I am sorry, I am warming up because I'm going to have to have this argument with Heath <laughs> later in the week. Uh, but this is this is what he has become. 
and it is an interesting transition. He's just making a lot of catches on these downfield throws. So he's just been more efficient is basically what it comes yes, down to. Yes, yes. And he, look, he, he's been a different player at so many different points in his career that oh, he yeah. could easily go back to being a short yardage or intermediate yardage guy or target guy. He but, can win all three levels. Right. But right now, they're using him downfield, and he's making a lot of catches. Fair enough. I like that. That was a great. That was a great Azer take and and monologue right there. You gotta try to recreate it for when Heath comes on because you know Heath's gonna give you more pushback than I will. Absolutely. Now, the thing about the Bucks defense, you know, you want to look at fantasy points allowed. Sure, but I like to look at yards, uh, and they're doing a tremendous job in, in that regard. But um, yeah, I mean, basically, I think I think he's a top twenty-four guy. He's definitely not a top twelve guy. Not gonna be a top fifteen guy for me. I'd actually rather start Christian Watson than DJ Moore because Watson's got the Vikings assuming Watson plays, but at least DJ Moore won't have to worry about any cold weather there in Tampa Bay this week. I don't know. I stepped on your toes a little bit there. Mate, you want to say anything? <laughs> Mate, I like that. <laughs> Australia. No, I think you nailed it here. I, I didn't have too strong of a conviction. I was kind of playing the messenger role for Heath, but look, lay off, man. You got to keep that vibe. You got to keep that kind of energy for Heath because you know he's coming at you hard. Yeah, right? I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready for it. But I, yeah. but it's going to make the case that I'm sitting DJ Moore and I'm just not. I just want to challenge. No, I know. I just want to challenge Heath's thought process uh, <laughs> and, make him, and make him a little angry. He'll get angry. It'll be fun. Oh, uh, yeah. That's um, the best part. So a couple people in the chat on YouTube have brought up uh, the prospect of teams resting players. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's happening this week. Someone said the Jaguars could rest players. That's the Jaguars. Well, that's the thing. The Jaguars, someone's, I, I almost think the Titans are more likely to rest players than the Jaguars. These may not be fantasy players, but relevant players, but both those teams are playing for nothing this week. It's literally all going to come down to their final week 18 matchup. So I wouldn't be shocked if either of those teams rested their starters. Would you? So if they split the season series, the Titans are going to get in. Uh, all I don't know the, the, same record. the ins and outs of it. I just know that literally this game does not matter for either of those two teams, and it all comes down to that last game. The okay, the Jaguars could go nine and eight. Right, that does put them in the mix for the wild card if they don't. Uh, win. Well, if they go card? eight and eight, let's say they lose the division. Let's say the Titans or either of these teams. Both these teams are seven and eight. Um, no, but then they would lose another game to go to right. eight and nine. So they go to. Yeah. No, they're not going to yes, get in an eight yes, and nine. Yes, yes, yes. Eight and nine. Yeah, you're probably not going to get an eight and nine. So they really aren't playing for much. I don't know if that's going to change. They're not, I don't think the Jaguars are resting players. If there's anyone injured, though, that they might be able to go or might not be able to go, they'll probably hold them back for the for the you know the playoff game against the Titans or the Jaguars, vice versa, that next week. Why wouldn't you, right? If somebody's on the edge, on the fence, you give them an extra week to rest for the game that matters, no? I could see that. Okay, let me read this article here. How the Jaguars can can make the playoffs. Uh, as you do that, I'll give the, give the breaking news. Not only is Mike White named starter, Adam Schefter just reported that Zach Wilson will be inactive for oh, this wow. game. Yeah, they're literally probably going to have Chris Drevler up over him. That is not not pretty for Zach Wilson. You know what I think should happen to Zach Wilson this offseason? As Adam looks yeah, up the going. stats, I'll come up with my hairbrained galaxy brain idea. I think the 49ers should trade for him after letting Jimmy Garoppolo hit free agency. And he should be the backup court, the third string quarterback there with Purdy, uh, Trey Lance, and Zach Wilson. If anyone can fix him, it's Kyle Shanahan. He still has a ton of arm talent. To me, it seems like the best option for all sides. Probably give a late round pick to back to the Jets, fourth, fifth round type pick. 
Um, they're going to get a compensatory pick back anyway. Once Jimmy Garoppolo signs with another team, that'll be a third rounder for the next draft, not for the 2023 draft, for the 2024 draft. So they have some extra picks to play around with. I kind of like the idea, late round pick for Wilson to San Fran. Okay, it all comes down to next week. If the Titans yeah. beat the Jaguars next week, no matter what you like that little filibuster? Thursday, that was great. Uh, they have a better divisional record, so if they go one and one against the Jaguars, they win the division. Right. Uh, so Jaguars-Titans for the division in Week 18. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. Thanks for watching and listening, everybody. We appreciate it. Get that Christmas tree out of there, all right? Well, yeah, you have a few more days. You have until New Year's, I guess. Um, so... Um, thanks again, and we'll talk to you tomorrow with the waiver wire. Mike White will be discussed. We'll break it down for you then. See you.